Welcome, folks. This is Mark Steiner, and welcome to another podcast here. Good to have you all with us. And I'll tell you a funny story. Here's a story. So when I was walking up the street from our studio here in Baltimore in a neighborhood called Charles Village, I was heading up the street to get a little cup of coffee, and um, I ran into this guy I knew named Curtis. And uh, Curtis I've known for a long time because he was a, is a drummer, a great drummer, and he played drums in uh, a uh, band that my son-in-law... Mixed Blood. Mixed Blood ran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we said... And he had these two little girls with him. So I knew they weren't his kids. It had to be his grandkids or something like that. So I mm. said, who are the kids? He introduced me, and he said, well, this is Lawrence's daughter. I said, my, my grandson's daughter. Wait a minute. I said, Lawrence? <laughs> well, which Lawrence? He said, Lawrence Bernie. I said... Lawrence Bernie is your grandson, <laughs> and then I said I had made never made that connection. Right. Lawrence Bernie being an incredible writer who's been right. on the show numerous times, and then the phone rings, and Curtis picks up the phone, and goes, "Oh, that, that's that's Victoria, my uh, Vicky, my uh, my my daughter." I went, "Vicky who?" <laughs> and he said, "Victoria Kennedy." I said, "Wait a minute, are you telling me that Vicky is your daughter?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Small to more. Small So there we were. And yeah. um, and so I said, you know, we need to have a conversation with the three of y'all just about this artistic family. Where does it come from? A Curtis, whose real name is Guy, now child Curtis, mm-hmm. uh, was a drummer, is a drummer, and right. par excellence, and was a drummer for George Clinton. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lives here in Beemore. His daughter, Victoria Kennedy, is an incredible writer and author. Uh, and, and, and singer. And, and singer. singer. <laughs> let, me not, let me not leave that out. Right. And Lawrence Bernie is a writer who I first met when he was writing for the city paper and his own uh, yep. zine, True Laurels, and now works for Vice. Mm-hmm. Uh, flew up to the city from from this little city to that big city mm-hmm. yes. to do his work. <laughs> yes. And so I said, here we are. So welcome. Good yes. to have the family with Thank us. Thank you yeah. for having us. Yes, no doubt. So, Lawrence, let me start with you because I know that you are slamming up there at Vice right now. And just, I mean, what... Let's just explore what life is like growing up in a family full of writers and painters and musicians. Um, I mean, it was, it didn't feel like anything special to me because it was just my life. Um, and, uh, I mean, I had a lot of good memories. I mean, a lot of times I got, I would wake up to my grandfather playing his guitar out on the porch or, um, in his bedroom or I would, I would be, I'm in studio sessions with him and my mother just because it was nowhere else for me to go. (laughs) And and then I would come up to New York and spend time with my uncle. So it was, you know, growing up, like I said, it didn't feel like anything out of the ordinary because that's all that I really knew. But it was also something that um, I feel like I was probably running away from for a long time. I didn't want to be like anybody else in my family so i didn't really gravitate towards music that much or painting outside of just like you know scribbling and 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 doodling in in a notebook but um so yeah it was it was i had a good i had a good childhood it was nice being around um creative adults now that i look back it was probably more entertaining than a lot of people i knew um (laughs) growing up but when I was growing up, I didn't think of it as anything anything special. But it is something pretty special, I think. I mean, so, I mean, this I, I know that, you know, we went through this before. I know the Curtis is your stepdad, but he's your dad. And, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, well, it, it's funny to hear Lawrence say uh, that he didn't want to be a part of it because he didn't really have to think hard about being a part of it. It just was was his life, like he said. But 
then he went on to major in writing, and I was thrown for a loop. <laughs> I had no idea. No, none of us. <laughs> had no idea that he had any interest in writing. Um, but at the time, he was more into sports writing. Uh, and that definitely changed. Uh, <laughs> but he was, he was at Long Island University in Brooklyn, and uh, that was his major. He, he went there um, as a journalist, a sports journalist. It was his, his aim, and that was his focus. So when he came back to Baltimore and he flipped everything around and he had an interest in writing about popular culture, underground music, I mean, I was I was here for it. You know, he was going to get the support he needed, but this was the same child who was pulled along with me as I did gigs. He was with me when we did the uh, opening. Uh, they, they were trying to do the fundraiser for the museum that now has the the place that the Maryland Film Festival opened. Remember Michael Park Johnson Williams. was oh, yeah, trying Michael to, Johnson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. we did we did the uh, the Gil show. Scott. We opened uh-huh. we opened for Gil Scott Heron. So I had Lawrence with me as a little boy, uh, in the audience while I was opening for Gil Scott Heron. And so for a child, he can look back on that now and see how big a treat that was. Um, when it was happening to him, it probably was like oh. There's my mom singing again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and your world. It's, it's a great it's great to talk about now. But yeah, back then it was just I had I had to be there. <laughs> well, well, maybe uh, you, you'll give us a go in, in True Laurels or something, huh? Because he, t- he told me a long time ago, man, you, your days are done with, you know, I'm writing all this, these young artists. I'm writing about them <laughs> thinking about you and your peers. So you're you're, you're, you're played. dusty. You're played. Yeah. <laughs> but now he has to go back into those old files for the experience that really informs uh-huh. and informs the things that are going on now. Mm-hmm. That's funny. So, so let me take a step backwards here. So, like, Curtis, you played with Jordan Clinton, Clinton for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a drummer. Uh, as a drummer for three years and then in and out as a guitarist and a vocalist occasionally. And even to today, I'm still doing, I'm still, once a funk, always a deli. Can't get away gotcha. from it. Gotcha. So once a funk, always a deli. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't get away, man. So, I mean, so how did you get hooked up with George Clinton in the beginning? Um, my, my, one of my best friends, Benny Cowan, who's a trumpet player, he's been with them for a million years, and I begged him, uh, I guess it was maybe 30 years ago, come on, man, come on, man, hook me up, hook me up. And, um, you know, it just, it just, I was driving a taxi at the time. He said, hey, man, take me down to Kensington. We got a rehearsal, and I took him there, and um, their drummer didn't show. So they were just jamming around, and I he pointed me out, put me on a spot. He's a drummer, and I said, "Huh? What? Why you? Go ahead, man. It's cool." So I went up, and I jammed with him a, a couple times. And the band leader put his guitar down and walked off. And I I didn't think nothing of it. I thought he was just going to the bathroom or whatever. Um, but the last song we had played was. Uh, one of my favorite songs, so I was really groovy on that one. <laughs> and I got a call the next day. He said, "Pack your bags now, mind you. No rehearsal, no set list, no nothing. Just pure, just out of the dark, out of the deep. And I'm sitting in at the throne or at the helm of one of the greatest bands of all time. Um, just twenty, f- less than twenty-four hours after I sat down and just did a rehearsal, <laughs> which wasn't even really a rehearsal. We were just jamming. Right, right. And I wind up his drummer on and off for three years. And like I said, um, uh, 
things started falling apart for me with the band uh, because I was, I'm left-handed and they had a lot of right-handed guys. And that's a long story. I don't want to bore you with that, but uh, <laughs> I didn't get the flight ticket in the itinerary. So um, on the next go-around, so George occasionally would call and say, hey, man, you want to come in and do some guitar? I'm cool with that. you know. So I'd do a little bit of guitar here and there and uh, some vocals here and there. And, and a, as a matter of fact, I, I have a gig coming up with one of his female vocalist, um, Dawn Silver. She's got a gig coming in, uh, I think it's Beltville or? Beltsville? It's, I think it's, I can, I can never remember. That DC stuff is just confusing to me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Funketeers Ball. And that's on the 2nd of um, next month, September. And, uh, and uh, it's interesting because she does a lot of the music that I, had had started off with with George, so that's the story of my life. There you go. Man. <laughs> I mean, it's still jamming, and, and so Lawrence. Yeah, I'm still but before we turn back to your moms, um, so for you, I mean, you were writing for the city paper, did some did some work for them and other places, but then you decided to create your own zine, which I remember yeah. you come into the studio with your zine and uh, all glossy and full of really cool stuff. So I mean, so that that's also a, a jump off point, and now your advice. So what about? So talk a bit about your your sojourn as a writer and creating this magazine. I actually made, I actually made uh, True Laurels before I ever wrote for City Paper, uh-huh. but it was a lot smaller in in the format. It was something I was really making at home or getting printed at um at FedEx office at first. And I actually wrote Full Vice before I wrote for City Paper. Um, so my my path was just not conventional. At all. At first, I had True Laws as just a website. Then I started writing for Double XL. Um, from Double XL came Noisy, which is where I work full time now. And then um, a friend of mine, Brandon Soderberg, started um, freelancing for City Paper, and he kind of uh, influenced me to to give it give it a shot because. City paper is not something I ever even really knew existed until maybe like five, six years ago. It's it's not something I really saw in the black community of Baltimore. It just didn't it just never came up. So right. I never had any aspirations of writing for it or anything. It was just I had a friend there, it seemed to make sense and I really just used City Paper to for to be that canvas to write about whatever I wanted because it was so open, um, if the pitch made sense. So after City Paper, I just started freelancing more and more for for bigger music publications. And, you know, one thing fell after another. And in the midst of all that, I, I kind of upgraded True Laurels last year when I won a grant. Um, for the contemporary, I, I won that grit, that grit fund. And that helped me um, that helped me improve True Laurels into, into more of a conventional-looking into a conventional looking magazine and um and then last august i saw opening for noisy where i work now and just figured i had nothing to lose i was really at that point where i was just like i have to i have to make a change in my life i didn't know what it was going to be but i just felt that kind of gravitational pull towards something different because i wasn't really happy with where things were going and i I felt good about it because i knew people that worked there and I'd already freelanced there for like you know two three years, and it worked out. So I'm here. I'm here now, and just trying to get better as a writer every day, learn the ins and outs of the music industry, just things that you don't always have 
access to when you're a freelancer, but now I have access to all that information. And, and just, just to get, also get this on track about where we are now, Vicki, you've got a book coming out, right? Yes, yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, it releases a week from today. <clears throat> it's called Sometimes Love. It's a love story, of course. Um, and it's my, it's my debut novel, even though I have been included in an anthology a few years ago through Brown Girls Books. And uh, then I self-published a collection of four short stories. It was part of my thesis when I did the uh, right. graduate program at uh, University of Baltimore uh, for creative writing and publishing arts. So that was a, a great experience. Just uh, Which is where we had our first serious conversation we yes, in that reception. Yes, and I right? gave you a copy of the right, book. Right, exactly. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I gave you a copy of the book. Now, where that one is called Where Love Goes... It's not a it's not a, a collection of conventional love stories. It's more uh, tapping into different ways that um, we love each other across the diaspora. And uh, I put a lot of focus in Baltimore. And there's another story that takes place in Jamaica between uh, has a like a a fractured relationship between a father and his teenage son. So I tried to when you're in a program like that and you're writing the whole time you're in the program sometimes it can be hard to pare it down to like a limit when you're limited by the number of pages so I picked four of what I think were the best mm. but yeah so now the novel <laughs> comes out next week I'm excited about it but the thing that's weird is that I wrote it years ago mm. years ago before I even went back to school to uh, to uh, go for my MFA and I submitted two manuscripts to Brown Girls Books, and they went with the older book. They love the story. So I'm hoping that everybody else will love it, too. That's very cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so did, you, did, you, did you update the book at all? Did you change anything in the book for you? I had to. Yeah, I, I figured you wrote it a long time ago. <laughs> because to... I wrote it. When I say a long time ago, I mean, like, the first. I started it as something to do when I was battling insomnia. And I still don't <laughs> sleep at night. Right. So I would go into the the next bedroom into the guest room and just start typing at night. And so I wasn't in any rush. It was just something to do. Um, I probably finished around 2004. <laughs> That's how long how long ago has been ago, written. Right? Yes. And so I had to go in and change things, references to technology, uh, things that exist now that didn't exist then. Uh, References to cell phones or FaceTime and you know things like that I had to up I had to update it, and uh, so <laughs> so uh, as a matter of fact, when I was going through it editing to make those revisions, I was like, wow, this is really old. <laughs> but the story itself was timeless enough so that it can still relate. And the name of the story is sometimes love. Sometimes love. Yes. So coming back to where we began, almost I just I'm just really intrigued by the idea of what it. The power of the arts and the artistic life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not an easy life to live. No. No. Right? No. <laughs> I mean, you have to take some serious commitment because you can either, you can survive at it or you can really make it big or you can, it can fall apart around you. I mean, yes. You try to swim. Right? So, yes. I mean, what is that, what is it, what, what, you know, when you think about that in your lives, um, what, what is that, what, what, what's, what, what, what do you, what, what story does that tell? You want me to go first? Go ahead. Or you go then, first? Then, okay, that's for me. We'll go to you, then we'll go to the younger. Then we'll okay. go to, to the elder himself in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's a life that goes through through stages and phases. 
especially when you start when you're a young person, you have different aspirations. I know for me, I've been writing just as long as I've been singing, and that's been since I was a child. Um, I was always into books since I learned how to read at four. Uh, so I was always reading or, or singing, alternating between reading and singing. So when I got to the next level of my life, a teenager, and you start emulating uh, singers you see and, and you want to be like the singers that you look up to, then you start picturing yourself having that kind of life, that kind of career. So when I was younger, I had bigger dreams to, like, be a singer, be, you know, go after the stardom. But then, I mean, and you make moves to make it happen, but when it doesn't happen, it can be a little disheartening. But if you're a true artist, you're going to rebound because you can't not create art. So for me, it was like when the singing was slow, I went to writing. Then when the writing, I took a uh, break from the writing, I would go back to the singing. And it's like both of them played their parts, but they worked together. And so now I'm like the, the movie 20 Feet from Stardom. It's like I feel like there are many more artists who are standing 20 feet right, right, figuratively from stardom where you have some people who are going to be standing center stage and they're going to get the spotlight. There are going to be a whole lot more artists who are grinding every day and they're going to be the unsung heroes. They're going to be the ones who will be 20 feet from that spot. And for the first time in my life, I can say that I'm okay with that. I'm uh -huh. okay with being the unsung person and forgetting it and they say, get in where you can fit in. I don't have a problem with that as long as I'm still creating. It would feed that part of me that needs to be fed to let me know that I'm still being true to my art. I'm still working with integrity and still creating something that I can be proud of. And that's where I am now. Even though I put in all that work, like going back to school for my master's. And after I did all that, I realized I didn't have to do that to just write. I could just write because I was already, but I wanted to position myself so that if I wanted to teach in college, I would have the credentials to, to do, do that. Right. So that's what that was the main purpose of that. Uh, so Lawrence, I mean, so you, you, you're not a singer, are you? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> no, no, I just checked. Not, not at all. But he can, sing, he can hold a tune, though, yeah, right? I've never heard him sing. No, you know, you know, he used to do little stuff, but I can't see it now. No, it's not. <laughs> no I'm not a singer at all. <laughs> but, but you are a writer, and you're determined to stay a writer. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think... Um, because of my upbringing, I think um, I have different definitions of what an artist is because I've just seen it be people's lives and it have to take different roles in your life because you have to have a job or, you know, I've, I've seen all angles of it. So I've never been a person who was discouraged um, from doing anything because I felt like I couldn't be a celebrity because of it or I couldn't be mega rich because of it even past four years or so four or five years of just being a journalist and a writer um it hasn't been until now until the past almost year where i've actually been paid full time to do it mm -hmm. so all that time leading up to now it was just basically a side a side hustle financially but it was always my number one priority mentally so because of that i, I screwed up a lot of things I, up my finances and 
work jobs that I wouldn't normally work just so I can have the mental space to to write or um from 2014 to 16, I worked at Social Security. A lot of people don't know that. And I faced, like, getting fired all the time because I just <laughs> I didn't do any work <laughs> while I was there. I was, I was writing freelance articles while I was at work. So I, I know it's a different um, it's different path to get to, get to where you are. So I, I definitely view my life right now as a privilege because most people that I know that do and do this or do anything creative or not living off of it full time. So right now I'm just focused on being as as good as I can be and just not going back to a, to a life that's different than this because I've already experienced what life is like <laughs> outside of this. It, it, it is hard once you've gotten away from the 9 to 5 to go back to 9 to yeah. 5. That's a very yeah. difficult yeah. thing to do. Yeah. I can't go back. <laughs> yeah. See, and I, I admire that. I admire that spirit in him because I'm one of the people who is, I'm one of those people who's stuck in that where I still have to balance a non-creative environment and work just for life and still find the time to create and feed my creativity on the side uh, and of course I mean you you hope that it would it would one day one supplant the other but if it doesn't I'm still going to be creating <laughs> right exactly. No, exactly yeah I'm still going to be but I, I do admire uh, Lawrence's uh, tenacity and uh, <laughs> I told him to go for his dreams and don't don't uh, listen to what anybody says not even me I told him that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here's what you went through in here as we're um, wow. I was just thinking, at least she had, uh, uh, Victoria had the option to do one or the other. But for me, it's just been nonstop, straight ahead, just music, because that's all I know. And it's only, I'm just saying that because that's all I want to know, mm-hmm. not because I can't do other things. Um, I've worked jobs, um, but like Lawrence, it's like, they, did, they, they didn't mean anything to me. It was even when I was on the job, I'm thinking music. You know, I'm tapping on something, I'm humming something, I'm drawing something, or, you know, um, it was always music-related, no matter where I was. Um, Even to this day, me being the age I am, I still have the passion, the same passion I had, like when I was 18, 19 years old. I'm still striving. Um, Right now, and I... Yes, he does. (laughs) Yeah, she's a witness. Um... (laughs) I've had a, a commercial recording studio for um, maybe 10 years, 12 years, um, and recorded a lot of music and uh, a, a lot of artists who um, who were quality artists, and I always thought they deserved bigger and better, and so I always gave it my all, and a lot of people, a lot of my family looked at me and said, hey, man, you're not really doing business. You know, you need to do it this way, you need to do it that way, you need to make some money, you need to do that, but... You know, it, it's a when you have a passion for something like that, money just don't buy. Money is not in it. You know, I do it because my heart's there, and um, you know, I may be a hundred years old, but as long as I'm able to hold up, and and I can still do for myself, I'm going to do music, man, till I drop. I hear that's the only yeah. way to roll with this, right? And that takes me back to a conversation we had years ago, and you probably don't even remember. 
when I said about having a plan B. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She always said, told me. And he said he never had a plan B. Yeah, no, I, no, there's no plan B. <laughs> I don't need a parachute. Just let me jump. I'll fly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You better have some wings. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I got the wings now. I don't need the parachute. So uh-huh. just as we round out here, um, as a family, all of whom have lived, all of you in your family, you talk about your brother's a painter, mm-hmm. Vicky, right? And and uh, your, the youngest one here is... My granddaughter, Zoe, Zoe. who's also a painter. She's also yes. a painter. Yes. yes. So uh, what is the... I mean, you know, we always put the arts down. Not, no, that's not right. We put the arts as an other. Right. right. Mm-hmm. As a luxury. As a luxury, as uh-huh. opposed to a center. Yes. But clearly, in whatever form it's taken, as a family, mm-hmm. the three of you, if you and your brother and right. your other, others, have put it at the center of your lives. Yes. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. So what is that, what is that, what does that say to the rest of us? And what do you, I mean, about how we lead our lives? And, you know, I mean, that, that, that putting art at the center of your lives. And, you know, and, and because, you know, you... It's also maybe more difficult um, if you are like a uh, put it out there if, if you're like a white family of means mm-hmm. <laughs> to be artistic mm-hmm. and be sent to the best schools, black, right, quote right, unquote, right. is one thing. Mm-hmm. But being a a working class black family, middle class black family, right, we're right. saying with the arts at the center of our lives, that's that's that is what that that uh, puts you in a certain place because you have to work really hard at something that doesn't isn't going to give be given to you, right? Right, but is at the center of everything. Well, let me, I'll answer that real quick. Um, the reward for what we do, well, at least for what I do, and, and I'm, I want to speak for everybody, but I, I really can't do that. But for me is the gratitude is, is when people say, wow, that's the reward. It's not, it's not the money. You know, um, we're, in a, we're in a home where everybody's a vocalist, even my wife. She sings. She sings with the choir. My granddaughter, Vicky's daughter, um, is an awesome singer. Yes. Zoe's a, a singer. Mm-hmm. I use them for background vocals on my projects. <laughs> um, I mean, it, so we don't know anything out, outside of that, you know, and it's been like that for a long, 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 long time. But the reward for us is just people saying, wow, that's nice, you know. Um, maybe Zoe right now, she thinks that she's going to be rich off of her her, and, and it's okay. I tell her that it's cool to think like that, you know, but money don't buy this, you know. Yeah, but, and that, that's true. I mean, the art part is like, it's like an innate part, an innate part of you that you can't really separate yourself from. I, that's the way I, I look at it. You can't separate yourself from it. But then you have to make a decision of what you want to do with it and where you can go with it. You can choose to be a street painter who doesn't get any kind of training, but you're still going to paint. Um, it's like with my brother, he was painting long before he went to college, and he ended up with an MFA from Columbia, you know, and he travels all over the world mm-hmm. painting, teaching his painting. He goes all over. And so he took it one step further, but it was still not a question of whether or not he was going to do it because he'd been doing it since he was like three. That's not even an exaggeration. Since he's like three, he would play by himself and create by himself and just be in his own little world mm-hmm. until he wanted to come out and, you know, interact. You know, it, like with me now, for years, I work my nine to five. When I go home, 
I'm up till like 3.30 in the morning because I'm, I'm writing or I'm creating something. We have music we're working on together right now. You and your dad. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have yep. music we're working on together right now. And it's like... Mark, I fight with her. I fight with her all <laughs> the time. Now, check this out. This one is for the book. So this next song is for the book. And it's like I'm getting calls like five and six times in the e- just after one o'clock in the. It's like why are you calling me this late to ask me something about this mix or <laughs> this? You got to take this out and you got to put this. Out. I never got this out of her, so she's giving it up now. Yeah. Yeah. And why not? Yeah. Why Headache. not? Wake him up. Why not? <laughs> and Lawrence, how would you round this out for us? Um, as, as far the, as as the, as the son grandson of seated. You know, we've been through all this and, and also uh, what it means to have art at the center of your life as a family. I mean, I take a, a, a great deal of pride in, in knowing that I come from a family who has a lot of creative people in it and there's different degrees of success within our family. And I think um, now that I have a, my own daughter and a niece, I, I think more about legacy and... and mm. um, inspiring them and showing them that this life is possible. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's things that my daughter and niece can do with me that it just wasn't possible for for me as a kid because I I'm I'm in the I'm inside of the machine. I have access to things that are not easily accessible. So I have to I have to give them the tools to to succeed or to show them things that I know or let them uh, FaceTime a, a famous rapper or, you know, just little little things like that just Access. create memories that they're mm-hmm. not going to forget because um, I didn't think that seeing Gil Scott Heron when I was seven or eight would make a difference or uh, meeting 112 backstage at some show that my grandfather booked <laughs> or like little things like that. I didn't think those memories would really mean anything, but now um, it's more it's, it's more of a attractive story because of what I do for a living that I can reach back that long and say I was around this world for that long and that makes me feel comfortable being in the world that I'm in mm. because I feel like I belong so that's that's really what I'm trying to do with the next generation of our family just letting them know that this is um, while it is something special and a privilege but you, you belong here it's not something that you have to feel like an outsider or an imposter or you know anything like that Yes. Mm. I love you, grandson. Yes. <laughs> this has been a wonderful conversation. And I, I, Lawrence Burney, you just heard him, uh, now staff writer at Noisy Music. And we'll be, and you can go to our website here at steinershow.org and uh, you'll see the link to his work uh, at uh, uh, in his True Laurels magazine and also his work. Mm-hmm. And we'll be linking to y'all's work and the new book coming yes, out. Yes, yes. And I, my website, victoriaadamskennedy.com. That'll be on our website yeah. as well and linking to the music. Yes. Um, I don't know about that one. I'm still <laughs> deciding whether I want to deal with social media. <laughs> but, uh, come on, man. You gotta get with it. He's gotta go. He's gotta, gotta, gotta get with, with it. Gotta get with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm real old school, man. Just call me on my phone and we can talk about. It. <laughs> I want to thank you all. This has been great, Victoria. Thank you, uh, Kennedy. Good to thank have you. you in the house here. Yes. And, uh, and Curtis, man, I'm so glad we ran to the street and got yes, this story sir. out. Yeah, man. You know, yes, guy, now yes, child Curtis. Yes, yes, I just yes. can't believe that these connections oh, made Lawrence Bernie. Yes. Brother, good. I'm glad you're all connected in one family. This has right. made, yes. made a good day. Right. So yes. thank Great. you all so much and good luck. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> so I'd like to thank Victoria Kennedy, guy, now child Curtis, 
and Lawrence Burney, this great artistic family living in the midst of our world here in Baltimore. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, this is Mark Steiner, folks, and thank you for joining us for our podcast today. You can download it at steinershow.org or your favorite podcasting app. And please let us know what you think. Write to me at mark at steinershow.org. That's mark, M-A-R-C, at S-T-E-I-N-E-R show.org. We'll be back in a couple days with a new podcast. Produced and edited by Calvin Perry. <laughs>